here we are on a Sunday. This is episode 203. I hate that 203. Oh, it's not a number. 203 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Boston. Now, don't get thrown off by the fact that I'm wearing sleeves. It's seven degrees outside, okay? Damn it, it's cold. So I'm covering up today. I am not a tank top wearing phenom today, all right? So we are going to talk about creating social awareness through fictional stories. And I'm not quite sure what that means, but that's why I bring on a guest that's going to tell us all about that. So if you are brand new to the show, we're all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds and helping you clear the path to whatever is stopping you from reaching your goals. And that goal could be anything. It could be health and fitness. It could be business. It could be relationship. It could be overcoming trauma. It could be whatever it is, whatever you're working on. If something is in your way, this show is designed to bring guests on from all over the world to, to help you um, identify with their stories of how they got through whatever it is they got through to get to the successes that they're having now. And again, this is episode 203, so we have a, quite the Rolodex of amazing stories, and today is going to be no different. And so if you have no idea who I am or why you should even tune in for this next hour, here I am. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right. For today's Teachable Moments, well, I've, I've done this one multiple times, but I keep doing it because it's important and so many people struggle with it. And it's with the word authenticity. So you, you tell people to be your authentic self and then people really don't know what that means. And it means just exactly what it sounds. Be who you are when no one else is around. Stop worrying about what other people think of you and just be yourself. Because what happens is you're going to end up shrinking who you really are to appease other people. In newsflash, those other people really don't care as much as you think they do. So when you step into your power and you are yourself, you're going to attract the right people into your life and into your inner circle. And then you're going to see your whole outlook on the world is going to completely change. Because trust me, when I first got into this whole entrepreneur game, you start talking to other people who are new in the game as well. So you have a bunch of new people really not learning from each other at all. It was once I went to my first mastermind group and I was surrounded by millionaires and people that just thought completely different and completely shattered my mold to what was normal. Now, full transparency, I am no millionaire yet. But just having that mindset shift 
is absolutely everything. But it started by me being myself and stop stopping being who my parents wanted me to be. Although they never want anything bad for me, but you know what they wanted me to be or what your friends want you to be, what your siblings want you to be. It's like, damn it, this is my life. I want to be how I want to be. And once you step into that, you're going to see everything is going to change for you. So that is today's Teachable Moment. Now, today we're going to talk about social awareness. Now, that can mean a whole wide variety of things. So I'm not going to put my spin on it because I have a guest in here that's going to do that for us. So let's welcome Natasha and L. Blanford to the show. Wrong mouse. See, I knew that was going to happen. There we go. Welcome to the show. <laughs> How's it Hello. going? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. Yeah, so like as I started telling you, I'm using a different computer, but but I'm on the same desk with my old computer. <laughs> so it's like I'm just instinctively I'm reaching for my regular mouse, for my regular keyboard, and not this stuff up here. So that probably will happen a couple more times throughout the show. So if it does, I apologize. It happens. I do the same thing because I use the same mouse and keyboard for my work computer, and then yes. I forget to plug them into my personal one. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so where are you joining us from? Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Really? It's a three guests in a row from Canada. Awesome. Woo! Go Canada, go. <laughs> yeah, three in a row. Yesterday's guest, Friday's guest, <laughs> and you. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Are you originally from there? I grew up in Toronto. And then, oh gosh, probably like 16 years ago, my dad's job moved out here and my mm. sister and I joined him and I've been here ever since. It's beautiful. Nice. Love it. Love it out here. All right. What do you love about it? It's smaller. So Toronto's huge and way too many people for me. And then <laughs> it's the mountains. I can see the mountains out my window. So oh, that's it. always nice. Sold. You sold, sold me on the mountains. I love the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's dive in. Let's get to know you a little bit better. So how, how would your best friend, actually, Benny, yeah, how would your sister describe you? Oh, God. Curveball. <laughs> I was going to say, you did not <laughs> My sister. Um, she would describe me as a mother to her. Actually. Oh. So my parents separated when we were really young. Mm -hmm. And I was the one who stepped up in addition to my father. But... Um, I pretty much took care of my sister from the age of 10 on, like when I was 10 and up. And I always watch out for her. And I actually dedicated my first book to her and oh, nice. would take any road to to find her or protect her. So very motherly. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So now, so now I'll ask you the other one, too, because you were prepared for it. So how would your best friend describe you? Uh, well, she would also use loving, I think, but I, another word would be perseverance. So mm -hmm. I have pushed through quite a bit. We, um, my husband and I had some infertility issues years ago. And although we don't have children, part of the journey was getting to the point to accept that maybe that wasn't what we were meant to do and persevering through that struggle. And then trying to become a writer while having a full-time job is a lot of work. So I persevere through that every day. So I think that would be a big word in my life. All right. All right. So let's talk about, about that childhood. All right. So, so your parents separated, separated when you guys were young, you know, you kind of had to step up and fill that, that maternal maternal role. What was that like? Oh gosh. You did not tell me I was going to therapy today. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, but this is a, this is about about backstory. I know. <laughs> Getting to know your authentic self. Yes. Uh, it was. I feel like a little natural, but a little weird too, because now I feel like I didn't have a childhood. But okay. I um. I I don't know. It's wow. This is. <laughs> <laughs> How did being a mother at the age of 10 feel? Um, I, I told you this wasn't going to be your typical right? interview. <laughs> but I like it. This is good. I love it. Yeah, I. it was hard, but I, I wouldn't change anything because I feel like I've learned a lot, although I've also learned to hide my emotions and thus not be authentic with some people. So that's, see, that's the see, one that. See, and I ask these kinds of questions to get stuff like that. So why were you hiding your emotions? Because I needed to be the strong one for my sister. There we go. Right? And uh, show her that we can do this. We'll be fine. Everything will be good. And Yeah. So I yeah. did that. But what were your true feelings during that period? Oh, I was devastated and confused and mm. felt betrayed and stuff like that, but... I was and, thirty some odd years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and did that affect you in school or, or like in your social circles? Yeah, because I don't share my feelings. I'm always so I don't know if you've heard of the Enneagram, but on that there's it's like a personality test kind of thing. Yeah. But more faith based. And um so I'm a two, which is someone who always puts other people first and has a hard time setting boundaries. Um, and has a really hard time identifying my own needs. Mm -hmm. However, COVID <laughs> helped me a lot with that because you had I had to start saying, no, I can't see you because it's not safe. Yeah. And I had to look and be like, you know what? I need rest. This is what I need today. Not fill my schedule with everyone else's things and stuff like that. So, okay. See, so I I structure the questions the way that I do, because as as you know, I just met you ten minutes ago. Yeah. Right. So like, I don't I don't pre-screen the guests on purpose. It's like I I do a little. I look into your bio a little bit just to know like what what your background is. You know what what your business yeah. is, who you work with, but then I pick your brain to see how you got there. You know, so I, I don't want to think I'm just asking random questions. So, like, as we get into the heart of the conversation, you're going to see where all this stuff ties in because I, I already have a solid paragraph worth of notes over here. <laughs> right. Awesome. So now you said that, that you know, you're putting everyone else's needs ahead of your own. How long did you do that? Until about two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, it's, that's why the one blessing for COVID is that I was forced to set some boundaries in my life. And that's when I really started writing. Mm -hmm. um, not full-time, because I do have a full-time job. But uh, yeah, I really had to reevaluate how I was living my life and for the good for my, my own mental health at, at any rate. So. And how do you feel that that set you back? Like the, the putting other people first or yes. me? Okay. I, it took me 30 some odd years to actually get the courage to write fiction and stuff like that. Like ha I've always wanted to write. Um, I've I have books of ideas, like notebooks of ideas everywhere, but I never had the confidence to do it because I never believed in myself because I was always focusing on other people. And why fiction? 
Ooh. I think I tried to write a memoir once and it was just, I'd have to address those feelings that I don't want to share with anyone. So, no. I figured that's, that's where it was going. Uh, but I also find, I just, I can, as I say, vomit words on a page with fiction and just insert myself in different aspects of the characters and be like, here you go. Here's me kind of on a page. Mm. So you said that you felt like like you kind of didn't have a childhood, you know, because you were kind of thrust into this more adult-ish role when your parents split. So do you feel that maybe you gravitated toward towards fiction to kind of create what you may have wanted? I think in reading, like I love Anna Green Gables and oh my gosh, if I could be Anna Green Gables, that would that would have been the best thing in my life when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> and even now, I still reread it over and over again. But um, okay. I, uh, the fictional worlds I create, I don't want to be a part of. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're very dark. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Dark. And, and why did you pick that style? I love thriller movies and TV and books and stuff like that. And the guessing. And I think part of it's also my job. So I um, investigate fraud for a bank. So I'm always trying to follow the money and put the puzzle together and figure out mm. how bad guys think or bad people think and yeah. like the motivation behind all of that. And I'm like, ooh, although I haven't <laughs> written uh, like a fraud or bank heist story. Okay. <laughs> and, and how did you get into that field? By chance. Yeah. Um, I work for the same bank. I think I'm on 16 years now. Okay. And uh I trained somebody who moved to the team that does it. And she's like, you need to apply for this. You'd be really good. And so I've been there for eight years now, I think, and work okay, with so law enforcement and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff to, to put these bad guys away. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So when she said that to you, what, what was your initial thought? Oh, yeah, I don't think so. I was, <laughs> I submitted my resume like the day after the posting closed because mm. I didn't know anything about the job. And a lot of people are actually shocked that the department even exists. So no, I call us the, like the super secret spies. <laughs> nobody knows we're around. We're a really small team. Mm. And uh, so I was like, I don't have any education for this. I don't, I don't know, but I do love solving puzzles. So why not? Okay. All right, so you didn't have the education for it, but I mean, I get the why not, but there had to have been a why in there somewhere. Like what made you go ahead and apply anyway? I wasn't really happy in the role I was in okay. and I had it like, they kept restructuring frequently. So I'm like, this is, I don't think my job's going to be around for very much longer. So I need to go somewhere. And I trusted her and she knew me. So I was like, ah, let's do it. Let's find mm -hmm. happiness somewhere else. <laughs> but within the same company. Okay. And yeah. so with, with the position itself, what appealed about the about the position, you know, like outside of wanting to get out of your current situation? Uh, the, the ability to grow. So at first it was just kind of looking at surveillance camera and cameras and doing all that stuff. And yeah. then I'd actually do the investigations into the breaches into our code of conduct and potential fraud. We don't have that much fraud yeah um, and just being able to pretty much work on my own so you get a get a file and you just do your thing you don't have to really you you work with a small team but you're you own it so i yeah. could do it however i wanted to figure it out so i like that okay. 
I'm a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you get the job now. So do you, uh, like, is it a position that you just transferred into? Or did you have to give, give a notice to, to, to one department? I did have to give notice, but um, it was only a couple weeks. And then, yeah, then I started right up. Okay, and what was the learning curve to, to learn a new job? It was pretty big because, again, nobody knows this team exists, so nobody, like, you have to really dig into the back end of all our systems. It's like a fight club. It is, right? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's confidential. Like, oh, mm. you sign your life away. But it was, I'm a quick learner, and once I do it two or three times, I, I pretty much got it, and okay. the team's been lovely, so the tr they helped me grow, and now I'm... Now I'm a rock star. <laughs> I am. I'm a rock star. So now that you're into it, you're trained, what's the most appealing thing about it? I like the files that involve law enforcement. Not that I want anyone to actually commit fraud and steal money, but working <laughs> with lawyers and the police and stuff like that to get everything together and actually go to court. Although I'm terrified to testify and I haven't had to testify yet, but <laughs> I might on this one. But we'll, uh, yeah, just learning from others is is amazing. Okay. So, so now, like I said, I'm, I think I'm I think I'm piecing it all together quite quite well so far. But uh, I got a couple more questions. All right. So from from what was lost in your childhood. Do you feel that's why you're excelling doing this? Because you're a part of something bigger. You're and you have some, you know, some control over your your department and the stuff that you're looking towards. Like, huh? I don't know if I'm saying it right, but, no, but like, I get just, what you're saying. Yeah, because kind of what you were saying earlier, and then just the way you were just talking about it, the way you lit up a little bit, I was like, because. Is this like yours now? Like I can wrap myself around this without having to play that mother slash big sister role? I've never thought of it that way, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Especially because I keep saying, I'm like, I can't wait to go to court and then see if these people will get justice. But um... <laughs> yeah. oh, that's... yeah, it's like, I'm just curious. Cause like in every, in every episode that I do, it's like I always poke deep into the backstory and then, you know, I equate it into what people are doing now. And a lot of people say what, what you just said, like, I never really thought of it that way. But for me, that's the fascinating part. Like, and I actually remember when I pitched you and this was God back in July, I think. Yeah. Right. But I remember seeing the, the crime fighter by day or so, something yeah. like that. And I was like, I know there's a whole story there. <laughs> I was like, I want to, I want to get into, into that story just yeah. to see what about it moves you, you know? Yeah. And so, all right. So you're into that now. When do you start writing? I, so I've been collecting story ideas forever, but I started my first book like five years ago. Mm -hmm. But again, no confidence. And I was, I was terrified because I write about, I wrote about human trafficking, yeah. which is, a, it's a scary topic. People don't know a lot about it or they think they know something, but that's a misconception. And I didn't want to offend actual victims of it. And so I put it on the back burner until COVID. And then I had 
nothing else to do <laughs> except <laughs> hang out in my house. And while my husband's playing video games, I could sit in front of the TV or I could write a book. So I finished my book and now nice. I finished two and I'm on to three and nice. Yeah. All right. So for that first one, what, why did you pick human trafficking? I, oh, I get this question a lot and I really don't have an answer. <laughs> it, it appeals to me in that people don't know a lot about it or don't realize how close to home it's actually happening. And so I wanted to shed some light on the fact that it's probably happening in your next door neighbor's house or down the street or down the block. It's not something that happens in another country or in another province or state. It is happening right here and it is a growing problem that people are only just starting, or it seems like people are only just starting to talk about. So, and with, with some things that have happened, I'm, we're not going down this road, but in the past, yeah. <laughs> we're not going down that road. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't have voices and need some voices. So I thought I'd write about it. Okay. So what part of human trafficking? Cause like it can be different, yeah. different dimensions. So in, in my book, The Perilous Road to Her, so it's about two sisters <laughs> and one goes missing. And then the other is a police detective out of Toronto who is trying to find her and then also gets kidnapped and put into the world of human trafficking. So there's the story of trying to find her sister, but also trying to get her own freedom. Um, so I am pretty, I'm going to say graphic in the first book about the the rape and stuff that can happen, but there's only a couple scenes, but it's there. And I didn't want to pretend it didn't happen Yeah, based on the research I've done. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's dark, but people have always said it's a page turner. So they're learning things. And part of why I wrote it was maybe somebody who reads my book won't read an autobiography of a survivor, yeah. but this way they get to learn something that maybe they don't even know they're picking up on. Yeah. So, so, is the takeaway education? Is it prevention? Combination of the two? Combination of the two and to enjoy a good story. Um, yeah. Like I put some resources at the back. So if people are like, wait, maybe that person living down the street, something's going on there and I want to learn more or stuff mm. like that or how to report it. Or maybe they didn't even realize they were a victim because it takes so many forms, excuse me, um, that they're like, oh my gosh, that happened to me. My boyfriend used to ask me to do all these things before or something like that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And how how successful was, was the book? Uh, it's mediocre. Nobody knows who I am yet. I'm still, like, I put it out in May um, and I self-published. So I'm still trying to navigate the marketing and the social media. So I don't have that big of a following yet. But uh, I'm hoping once I get this series wrapped up, that I can do more promoting. Like a lot of what I've learned over this last, since May, cause I knew nothing about self-publishing. I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna put it out. Maybe five people will buy it. And then I'm starting to go to conferences and learn more about what I can do to, to grow awareness. Um, so I still have to, I still have to learn, but I've, okay. I made, I made $500 last year. A <laughs> <laughs> hundred oh. of which I donated to charity. Cause that is one of my things is this whole book series, either 10% of my royalties or a hundred dollars, whichever is greater, goes to a, a charity to combat human trafficking. Love it. That's uh 
That's actually a solid twist because I just jotted down some some names of people I can connect you with that can help oh, you, you. That can help help you get that out. Yeah, a couple of people like they they specialize in helping helping authors get their get their message out, and that's a it's a positive message. So about a very dark industry, I guess we'll call it. So yeah, once we're once we're we're done here, I'll um okay. we'll talk about that once we're off the air. No. I'll make those those connections for you. Help you spread the word. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the what it, what you say creating creating social awareness. So are there, are there any other other areas that you focus in on with your writings? I'm exploring um, talking about PTSD in my next series. Okay. I, so I'm tossing ideas around. I haven't finalized what my next series is going to be about because I'm still wrapping up. Um, this one, but I just put feelers out um, to some of my friends on Facebook and I'm getting a, two days ago and I'm getting a lot of messages saying that they want to talk about their stories. And um, mm -hmm. some people are in the military or on the police force, which, excuse me, is kind of where I might focus. So that I think might be the next one. And then addictions I might touch on as well because people gravitate potentially towards addictions when dealing with mental health problems. So uh, yep trying to numb the pain. Exactly. So I'm just starting on that journey, but a lot of people are sending me a lot of good resources. So I've got a, got a lot of research. Yeah. I mean, and PTSD covers a very wide range as well, because I help people. So people who go to, go to like therapists and psychologists and stuff, like I don't work in the medical end, but afterwards, if people want to tell their story and they want to tell it in an inspirational way, I help them take those stories and find the, the teachable moments in them. Like I just worked with a woman whose first love committed suicide in front of her. Mm -hmm. I worked with a woman who had a stroke at the age of 36. I worked with an older man whose mother passed away 35 years ago and he still hasn't, hadn't really processed what happened. So those things, they're huge. You know, they're definitely huge. So like if you're going to do that, I mean, I can be a resource for you there too, to help you brainstorm. And just talk about the different guy. My sister had a brain aneurysm burst, people losing loved ones. You know, I lost my father two years ago. Like there's there's so many, like I said, PTSD just goes wide, very, very wide. But I think if you if you if you target one area, mm -hmm. it's really it's really powerful, you know, yeah. to target one area. And again, the area that speaks to your heart, that's where you go. But, it's, yeah. but, you know, just trying to trying to appeal to everyone in such a, a wide, you know, like just going back to losing someone like my, when my father passed away, we knew it was coming. You know, mm -hmm. so he had he had stage four heart failure. We watched him deteriorate over 11 months and then we ultimately had to end his care. So we were in one mindset. You know, one of my clients, her, she got a phone call that her father just suddenly dropped at 62 years old. You know, like that's a completely different level than you have my aunt. I mean, granted, she had cancer, but she passed away in her sleep. You know, her boyfriend thought she was just sleeping in. And then after a few hours, he's like, uh, Annie, Annie, and she was gone. You know, so that's a different level of, yeah. of trauma. So so you could talk about losing a loved one, but I just displayed this three different levels right. of, of loss, yeah. you know, so like it. Like that, that category is endless possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I think, so because I write thrillers, 
um, the characters either one of the, the yeah the characters either going to be like in law enforcement or investigating crime somehow or complete opposite end be like a mobster who needs to deal with his, his or her issues probably a her because I feel more comfortable writing from the viewpoint of a woman but <laughs> <laughs> gotcha yeah I so like do you see yourself doing maybe like a series. Yeah, series for self-published author series are usually better because then you grip your audience and like, oh, I'll buy your next one. Oh, I'll buy your next one mm. instead of standalones. But again, I'm still learning this whole yeah. self-publishing thing. So, but I think there's you can do a lot if in a series. Yes, Especially I agree. With the, it's with crime or like mobsters or something. <laughs> <laughs> Always somebody to battle. True. What did what did your sister do for work? Oh gosh, I don't understand what she does. Something around <laughs> surety and insurance for construction companies, I think. Okay. Numbers. She's a numbers girl. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'm she... the art brain, and she's the numbers brain. <laughs> mm. Have Have you guys ever considered working together? I had mentioned um, because she's really into finances and helping people with their finances before COVID. Mm. Well, like, we could potentially write a book together. And then COVID happened and she has a family and has a lot that she has to deal with. So gotcha. I was like, okay, maybe we'll, maybe we'll put that on the back burner. But. And I was just, just curious. Cause like with, with me too, I'm a very, very creative, creative, abstract kind of visionary thinker. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't do so well on the organizational end, <laughs> but, but like one of my sisters, She's like she's a speaker too. She she wrote she wrote a book about about her her weight loss journey. She's weighed four hundred and twenty five pounds, and I always tell us like you know we should really link up because she's very she, like I said she's very organized. She's very detailed, but she's very reserved. Whereas mm -hmm. I'm a risk taker. Like failure doesn't exist in my world. It's like it like it it can't work if I don't try. Like that's my mentality. So if I try and it doesn't work, whatever. At least we tried. Right. And so, like, if we could just somehow combine our powers, but like I said, she's reserved. Yeah. And so it's tough for her to deal with my willingness to just go. <laughs> you know, so, so just curious as to the, the dynamic between you and your sister. We love each other. I feel like we might kill each other. <laughs> like we actually got into business together. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> just, just, just from being opposite? Uh, I think so. I don't. We we are very opposite personalities. I'm I'm the reserved person, although extremely organized and extremely like yeah, artsy. Yeah. But and she's the more outgoing one. I'm like, how do you do that? I don't know how you. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna stay in my little office behind my little computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. All right. So, how how many of these of these types of shows have you been on? Like been on podcasts or. Have you been on TV at all? Oh, no TV. <laughs> no. I wish. I've tried to pitch TV, but I think I need to work on those skills. Um, one, two. I think I've been on three podcasts. This might okay. be four. And then I have another one next month. Um, I did my first one was a local one here in Calgary, um, which I love and I have to reach back out to her. But I, I hope to meet up with her when it's safe and actually meet her in person. And Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're gonna have about about another eight at once we're done here. So 
So yes. I'm going to connect you with my, my podcast peeps. But speaking of when it's safe, how, how bad are things now on that in that side of Canada? Um, Omicron is killing us. Um, so over Christmas, we had 10,000 cases a day in Alberta. Wow. Um, so we had gone, we, my husband and I had gone to see his mom and like his family up in Edmonton. And we ended up coming back early after seeing grandma because it was just getting too crazy and the risk was too high because he's vulnerable. Yeah. Like autoimmune compromised. So yeah. we, um, we pretty much stay in as much as we can, but there, we don't have many restrictions here. Okay. In that. Yes, you have to prove you're vaccinated to go to a, um, a restaurant and stuff like that, but you're allowed to be in people's homes and stuff now. So I think that's part of why it's it's spreading pretty bad. But I don't know. They say we'll top out at 100,000 cases countrywide in the soon here in January, and then hopefully the peak will go down. Mm-hmm. And then spring, hopefully, will be good. Hmm, and spring actually- and <laughs> until the latest variant pops up. <laughs> So, let's just hope i know <laughs> i'd like but something like when i was wrote this book or was starting to get ready i'm like maybe i could do an in-person launch at like a pub and it'll be fun and we'll have a big party mm. and no <laughs> <laughs> no just an announcement on facebook so it's ready you can buy it if you want it yay <laughs> yeah no it, it, we would me and my fitness clients we were talking about it earlier and and, and i said you know, when are they, they just going to realize that nothing's working? Like everything they have us do, it's still spreading. No, no matter what it is, it's, you know, they lock the businesses down. It's still spread. Mass mandates still spread. Social distancing still spread. There's vaccines now. It's still spreading. It's mutating and it's spreading. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's out of control. It's out of control. Yeah. But what can you do? <laughs> do what you can to be safe, but respect everyone else's opinion <laughs> yeah true so who's your who's your target audience thriller has such a wide range but mm. i would say i have a really I, it's not a really big following but the town my sister lives in which is just outside <laughs> where i live all of the like 30 to i'm gonna say 30 to 40 i'm just guessing based on photos um your old women love it they love my book. I need to do an event out there when I can because they're they're loving it. But I think I think a lot of thriller people are between thirty and like eighty, and mostly women. But I've had quite a few men also read my book. So okay. everybody, everybody loves a good thriller and a good page turner. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she did that. What? Damn <laughs> you! And people who like villains, like love to hate. Or hate to love villains, as I say. <laughs> True, you know, a good a good thriller, in my opinion, you kind of feel for the villain. I know this sounds awful, but like if, if you think about, say, if you're an MCU person, I, I know it's a different different extreme, but like on Infinity War, yeah. it's like like you even though Thanos was psycho, you, you still kind of felt his mission. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, or even in Cobra Kai with some of some of the, the the more villain villainous students, as they get more into the backstory, it's like, oh, you kind of you kind of see why they are the way they are. So it, it kind of 
kind of sucks you in where it's like okay i'm supposed to hate her but i kind of i kind of get where she's coming from you know like i would never do what she's doing but i get it exactly and that's that's what i hope to strive to do and william is one of the bad guys in the in the first two books and yeah i i've had a lot of a lot of feedback that ah I love him, but I'm, I hate him, but I love him. <laughs> love it. What's the name of your first book? The Perilous Road to Her. Okay. And then the second one is The Perilous Road to Freedom. Mm. And then I'm working on The Perilous Road to Him. So there's a theme there. <laughs> I see that. All right. So so what's what's the takeaway in the first one? or Or what's the theme of the first one? Oh gosh, sisterly love and but I think that's more of a hidden one because at the start she's she really doesn't like her sister and she thinks that she like her um so Olivia's the main character and her sister's Claire and Claire used to be this big CEO and then she got to drugs and her life fell apart and so Olivia's been trying to help her for years and finally realizes maybe I just have to let her hit rock bottom but then hitting rock bottom means she gets kidnapped so she's also trying to deal with her own, oh my gosh, did I do this? Was it my fault? Mm. And then trying to recognize um, or trying to obtain her own freedom out of this hell of a life and take down this evil family. But Interesting. Actualization is big throughout all three books, I think. And and what was your, what was your motivation to write that story? Like, did it stem from something or was it something that just pop, popped into your mind and you went with it? it? I think it just popped up into my mind because I like in my notebook, it, I have a date of 2008 and I do not remember what happened in 2008. <laughs> but I wrote it down and then I went to a fraud conference in Vancouver where um, a survivor of human trafficking spoke. And I was like, I do really need to write this story. And again, it still took me years, but um, I read her book. She had been um, promised a babysitting job in Canada, and that was not the job she was given. Ah, <laughs> so, okay. It's like people need to know about this stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I feel I, I feel like my daughter would be would be all over that. She's she's into the like Law and Order, SVU, and, and all that stuff. You know, so like that that sounds that sounds like like a story that would definitely be up her alley. All right, so let's talk about the second one, the second yes. book. The Perilous Road to Freedom. So without giving any spoilers, because mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the first one ends on a cliffhanger. Okay. Um, Olivia finds herself once again trapped. That, that's tripping me out because my daughter's name is Olivia. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Completely random. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so now rather than trying to find her sister, she's once again, trying to find her freedom, but dealing with the demons from the first book mm-hmm. and a surprise that happens at the end of the first book that I can't mm-hmm. give away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, while trying, yeah, it's just, it's another battle for her freedom while also dealing with her emotions toward her captor. Okay. So I threw in the twist of there's maybe a relationship there that she's trying to like navigate why would ever pursue that and okay sounds like it would make a good movie <laughs> that's not my friends man i want this to come out on netflix i was like well if you know like, you can make that happen <laughs> yeah because me personally i'm not a big reader 
because uh my mind drifts like i just i just can't zero in on, <laughs> on stories but uh like movies short short videos even like case in point i'm working on write, writing a book ironically but i've stopped <laughs> i'm six chapters in and i just stopped <laughs> and, and i don't know like i can do videos all day long with no no preparation and people are like well just speak it and then and then transcribe it and so i tried that i mean granted i know i, I can outsource and have somebody else do it but the trans the transcription isn't always perfect and then so i did just one chapter and it took me like almost three hours to fix the transcription oh. <laughs> because like words were doubled or words were left off or I changed the word. <laughs> so I, I was like, you know it. what? Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to just go back to typing it. But I, I went away for four days because I know most people say I'm busy, but like I really am. I'm a busy dude. And so I went away for four days to get the process started. And I figured, you know, when I get back in between you know stuff i'll jot down some and jot them but like i said my mind just doesn't work like that when i get on a roll i need to just go which yeah. is why i went away god i wrote for probably six hours a day for the four days i was away but like i can't just go and then just hit the pause button and go go teach a fitness class and then come back unpause and keep like <laughs> my mind doesn't do that so mine either so i kind of been stuck on chapter six yeah, I uh, usually Sundays are my writing days because, of course, I work Monday to Friday mm -hmm. and then Saturday is usually relaxing. And then Sunday I hit it hard and then I work and then or I go away. I mm -hmm. every time I edit or not every time when I print it all out, I think that's on like my third or fourth draft. I usually print it out, either rent an Airbnb or go to my father-in-law's trailer. And then I spend four days just going at it because I, too, <laughs> need to be in there. And not distracted by my world. <laughs> yes. So, so true. And, and and it's so easy, especially when you wear a bunch of hats. Because it's like, like, I'm a single father. I'm a gym owner. I'm a podcast host. I'm a speaker. I, I guest on other podcasts, writing the book. I'm a track and field official. I'm a coach. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like just doing all these different things, like I was saying earlier. And it's not a what was me kind of thing. It's like, I'd rather have that than like a drug habit you know what i mean so yeah. it's like like i'd rather you know be be helping athletes be helping people i do women's empowerment groups i do mm -hmm. mental mental performance training with athletes like i'd rather just just have my hand in helping as many people in the world as i can you know rather than just other things there's much worse things i could be doing with my time but it's like i want to get the book written because <clears throat> even though i'm not a big reader there are people that are yeah. <laughs> you know, so I figured the things that that I can put down into my into from my world and my experiences that could help other people. And of course, the name of the book is Shut Up and Grind, <laughs> you know, and, Funny, and it's like it can be tailored to really any industry. I can do Shut Up and Grind for coaches. I can do Shut Up and Grind for athletes, Shut Up and Grind for teachers, for counselors. Like the list goes on, on and on. It's like pick an industry right. and I can write a blueprint for whatever that industry is. And so, but it's just a matter of finding time to get it done, you know, making, making time to get it done. Cause we all have the same hours. So it's just a matter of what, what you do with it. Yeah. You're just your priority that given day. Like I, I know a lot of writers 
will get up early and I tried to do this before I got this big file and write for an hour and then go to work or they'll like stand in line at the grocery store while they're waiting for their groceries to be rung in and they're writing. I'm like, I know I can't. Do that. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work for me either. <laughs> it's like when I have my thought, it needs, it needs to go down right then and there. Exactly. You know? <laughs> All right. So let's talk about book three. Yes. The Currently in process. I, oh, okay. I was working on it before, <laughs> before <laughs> I logged in. Um, I, I started in December. I'm done my first draft and we'll see. I One of the things is you got to keep your the expectations of your audience kind of the same. So if I re release books every six months, I kind of got to release books. Every, well, I don't have to, but yeah. <laughs> the goal would be to do it every six months. So if I put another one out every month, there's no way I can keep up that momentum. So I'm just oh, trying, yeah. to, trying to work through that. So maybe by May I'll have the series wrapped up. We'll see. But nice. I'm excited. This one takes place years in the future. Olivia thinks her past is behind her, and da da da. It's not. <laughs> Just when you thought Jason was dead, right? You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, so this one is gonna wrap up the other two. Yes. Yeah. It's gonna wrap it up, and but the main theme is. Um, preconceptions so again i don't want to give away spoilers but she's got to wrap her head around why she sees somebody the way she does and actually see them for who they are okay so okay. that one doesn't touch on human trafficking too much other than kind of referencing her past but it's yeah. it just wraps up the her story okay I like mm -hmm. it. all right so what's next from there well that's what i have to decide i think i'm going to put a poll out and be like do we want the the crime series that might involve the the PTSD and the, the like maybe an AI. I don't know. Who knows? Mm. So many ideas. <laughs> I have another idea where um, people just go into a town and never come out. I don't want to give too much away, but yeah. why don't they ever leave? Or why do they go there in the first place? And then things happen. And then my mobster story. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My sister, I, I went out for coffee with my sister yesterday and I was pitching her my ideas. She's like, I like the mobster one. Go with the mobster one. <laughs> that sounds nice. good. Mobster, you don't hear about those very often. So. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Hey, what, whatever, whatever, you know, fills your passion, go with it. Exactly. So, you know, what does your husband do? He teaches engineering. So he, okay. he wasn't in, in the engineering business, but then now he teaches at um, SAIT, a, a technical school here in Calgary. So he's imparting his wisdom on the minds of the younger people. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what branch of engineering? Geotechnical. Oh. Dirt. That's all I know. <laughs> Dirt. <laughs> like, I have no idea what my sister does. I don't understand what he does either. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like I was saying earlier about people trying to live up to what their parents wanted them to do like initially and, and and to his credit he definitely wasn't wrong like my dad wanted me to go into computer engineering so this was in 1992 when i graduated and i was like i'm kind of not feeling that and he's like robert's like i'm telling you he's like everything is going to end up going to computers but now he has he had an engineering degree you know, so like that's that industry is near and dear to him. Like he lo he loves to build. He loves to know how things work. Yeah. I could I could care less. 
like when when I turn the key, well, I, I have a push button now. So like when I push the button for, for my car to start, I just need it to start. I don't need to know the hows and the whys. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm not that person. I just need it to work. But he was like, you know, I'm telling you, you get into this now. It's like this industry is going to boom. And again, to his credit, he definitely wasn't wrong. You know, we all have one of these now. Our yeah. cars are, our cars are um, computerized. Like everything is computerized now, but it, it didn't do anything for me. It's like, I belong entertaining people, motivating people, inspiring people, pushing people to be better, helping people push out of their comfort zone. Like that's that's where I belong. You know, like I don't belong in an office trying to figure out how shit works. Like that just doesn't do it for yeah. me. <laughs> you know. So so for for you coming going down this road, like what does that do for you personally as you're writing these stories? Oh, it makes me so happy. I had two weeks off at Christmas and at the end, like I, I love my job. I do love my job. But I'm like, man, can I just do this and still make my salary? Because <laughs> that would be lovely. Uh, but one day, one day we'll get there. I just have to build up my backlog and build up my audience and I'll get there. But I, I love creating art. I sing. I dance. I, I used to paint. I haven't painted in a long time, but okay. like, I'm very very artistic so being <laughs> engrossed in words and i'm never without a book even when i'm watching tv i'm generally reading a book i multitask <laughs> like <laughs> words are my life love it so fun fact art was the one class in school that i failed <laughs> math math was the one class in school that i failed <laughs> <laughs> it's like i really think the teacher just gave me a 65 because we need it so uh, I think I think this was in sixth grade. So we needed it to go to seventh grade. And I, I remember we were doing like a still life, you know, something something like this. And she's oh, like, yeah. oh, "Okay, you got to draw it." And I'm like, "I I can't draw that." <laughs> and she's like, "You're not even trying." I'm like, "I'm telling you, what what you expect and what you're gonna get are opposite sides of the spectrum." <laughs> it's like, that's just not how. Even now, yeah. even now, to, to, to this day, my my ex and I, this was years ago, I found No. Oh, I can hear you, but I can't. Can, can you hear me in my back? I can hear you, but your screen's... There you are. Okay. <laughs> Oops. I, I heard you chuckle. Okay. Oh, there we are. Okay, yeah that that was on my end. The uh, my my Wi-Fi box uh, flashed for a second there. All right. No. Uh, what the hell was I saying? Your ex and you were something years ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I finally gave in, and she she dragged me to a paint and vino night <laughs> at a local bar because I was telling her I was like, you know, art is not my thing, you know. But she really wanted to go, so I was like, all right, I'll go. And I actually still have have the painting. It's upstairs uh, by the front door. But like it was, it was cool how they had you do it. They had like these little cutout things and like trace this and and shade this and do that. And when I first started, I was like, "This looks like trash," <laughs> you know. But just as it was unfolding, mm -hmm. but then once I was done, I was like, "That's all right." <laughs> right? But I was like, "But I have no desire to do another one." <laughs> I was like, I was like, so I'm proud of this one, <laughs> you know, but 
with me, I'm an athlete. So going back to, to what I said earlier in my teachable moment about being your authentic self, it's about knowing who you are at your core mm-hmm. and embracing those things that make you who you are. You know, so with you being being um creative and having that having that love of you know highlighting so social issues through your stories i think it's amazing and, and as i said and when you talk about it you can see it it's like you know you glow so you can tell that that really does touch your soul you know so what so if there's some if there's someone out there that wants to do what you're doing but for whatever reason they're hesitant so is, is there any time where you had that imposter syndrome that you could give them some words of wisdom? I just had it on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. I'm still trying to navigate social media and I don't know what I'm doing. And I, yeah. <laughs> but writing wise, I definitely had it before this book because I'd never written a book before. Mm-hmm. But I would say write the book for you, not for anyone else, because one, you don't know if anyone's going to read it and it's your story, not anyone else's story. Yeah. Um, because as soon as you'd be like, oh, what if, what's my husband going to think? Or what's my mother going to think when I'm writing these sex scenes or whatever? Like, <laughs> don't, don't worry about what everyone else thinks. Do it for you. And also don't do it for the money. Because there really isn't any. <laughs> Until you have like 100 books out there. Um, but if you're, I, was, I can't remember if it was a podcast or a video I was watching. Um, but if. If you're doing it for the money, then you're motivated. Your motivations really aren't that, or I don't believe that that authentic. They're just, everyone wants that Netflix deal, or I'm going to make a million dollars and write the best-selling book. But not everyone's Stephen King and has the luck of just getting $400,000 for their first book. Exactly. And it takes years. If you're going to go the traditional route, it does take years to get an agent. Um, but if you're not worried about traditional and you just want to, Hey, I'm going to write a book, you can post it on Amazon and self-publish and you can follow that dream. It's true. I just want to double down on what you said about chasing money. Cause again, for people that listen to this on the regular, I say that constantly. It's like, if you chase money, it's like, you might find it, but money can be lost just as, just as easily. Like I believe it was Chris Rock. Who said even if you're rich, he's like you can you can lose rich with a bad weekend and a drug habit, <laughs> you know, which is so true. But if you're doing something that fuels your soul, like when people come into my gym, I don't just take people in, you know. And, and I know I lose a lot of money with that, but I want the right people. I want the people who are ready, not people that I have to text every morning. All right. Are you ready to get up? Are you ready to come train? I'm not that dude. You know, it's like you have to be disciplined enough to get yourself to the door. It's like once you're in the door, I will pour into you with everything that you need to stay on track. But if you don't have at least enough discipline (laughs) to show (laughs) up, then I'm not your guy. You know, because like I want to work with those people that can get the best of me. You yeah. know, going back to what I was saying about doing what fills your soul, you know, fulfills your soul. And when you do that, the right people come and they're usually connected to other people who think similarly, you know. And so then those people come and then what comes with them? Money comes with them. 
<laughs> so, so like, I, like I don't go take. All right, if I just bring in thirty people this this month, I'll make X amount of dollars. You know, it's like I'd rather get in five of the right people, and then do you have someone else you can bring in? You know, do you have someone else you can bring in that at the end of the month we still get our thirty people, but I have thirty of the right people, and not just the first thirty people that respond that responds to the ad. You know, and, and getting people to understand that concept. Is like that's how during COVID, when so many gyms shut down, like we were able to stay open because I had that firm base, I had that firm commitment from my peeps, and I said, "All right, listen, we're gonna have to train virtually, but we're still training." It's like you're still getting the best of me. Just instead of being within the gym, I'm in your living room, I'm in your garage gym, I'm in your spare bedroom, like wherever you are. That's where you're getting me, and you're still going to get the same level that you got within within the gym. So I never stopped charging, whereas mm-hmm. so many people, you know, like one gym decided to do free classes, so everybody else followed suit. And I'm like, um, how, how are you going to maintain, you know, the gym and maintain your own livelihood by doing that? It's like, you yeah. can't do that. So I didn't think about the money aspect. I thought about the, you guys, we're going to switch to Zoom to keep you guys on track. Yeah. You know, and they, and that's what everyone bought, bought into. Like, if not, what's going to happen? You're going to completely derail yourself. And then this is all for nothing. I said, so we're just going to shift the location, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I'll be here for you guys the same hours. Like some people were just doing like two classes a day. The full schedule I had in person, I did it on virtual to make sure I was still there for everyone at the times that they were accustomed to. Cause like I could have very easily taken the easy way out because on Zoom, you can have a hundred yeah. people on Zoom. And I could have said, all right, we're just gonna do one class at 9 a.m. and had everybody come to the one class. You know, but it, it just it's not yeah. it wasn't about my convenience. So it was about being there for them. So we were able, you know, to to maintain everything throughout that whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tough. Yeah, and I think the the other thing I'd add is um, maybe like just keep writing. Like I wrote almost a whole book that is never going to be published. <laughs> this is like a it's a tie-in from a murder mystery to a love story to it's got like everything that doesn't make sense to go together, and it's a western. Like what? <laughs> I don't know what I came up with. Um, but it, just just write, and you don't have to put it out there. And maybe the next one will spark like that story could spark something else and Mm. yeah you just keep going at it if you love it then you'll find time and if you love it the words will come for sure love it yeah yeah if if you love it you'll definitely make time yeah yeah you'll make time that's that's what it boils down to again i tell my fitness clients that all the time like oh i'm busy i'm like so 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 are you in the rest of the world Oh, you know, well, well, it's like I have kids and the kids have after school stuff. It's like, yeah, so do you and everyone else that has kids. It's like we we all we all go through it, you know. So it's like it's just a matter of you can make time or you can make excuses. That's what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. You know? If you're sitting up a hockey rink, type your book out on your phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> While exactly. you're waiting for your kid to practice. Exactly. Like my daughter, one of my daughters plays softball and uh, during the tournaments, you know, tournaments can last the entire weekend, you know, start Friday night, all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. I'm like the only parent, or I'll say one of the few parents, I walk the entire game. So it's like walk around the field the entire game. So depending on the tournament, I can get anywhere from 
10 to 20 to 25,000 steps during a game without missing a beat of the game. You know, sometimes I take coaching calls during a game because if someone wants to do it, I say, okay. Because especially with softball, it's not constant action, you know, unless unless your kid's the pitcher. It's like, but my daughter, she plays third third base and and she catches, you know, so... While I'm walking around, even if I'm on a call, I can still see everything. And I'll even tell the person, hold on one second, my kid's up. You know, watch the kid and then go right back to go right back to the call. So it's like you can you can make things happen even if you have things like that. So you say, Oh, my kid has a tournament. I say, Yeah, but you you're talking like five to six hours a day. Yeah. All weekend. So you're trying to tell me there's ten hours that you're just gonna sit on your butt and nine times out of ten scrolling Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> instead of doing something productive. That would drive me crazy. Exactly. I get three books read by the end of that Exactly. All right, so give us, give us some closing words, then we'll break down this part. Then remember, uh, I ha- have some connections for you when we're done. Some closing I don't know what to say. Come on, this, this is your moment. This is my moment. Oh it's my time goodness. to shine. <laughs> I was not prepared to shine today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although I do have a nice little halo thing happening with the sun coming in my room. Yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would just say, like, well, one, thank you for having me on and listening to my story. But um, I would just encourage people, you know, just whatever is nagging in the back of your mind saying, maybe I should try that, try it. And like you said, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But maybe you'll find something you're really passionate about and it could change your life. Love it. And to just keep in mind that it may not look the way you think it's supposed to look. Yes, definitely. Like that's, that's the huge one. Like I had a guest on, you know, she wanted to write. I don't remember the exact, this like a hundred episodes ago. It was like, she wanted to write on a certain topic and she was trying to do it, trying to do it. It wasn't working. It wasn't working. And now she's a successful children's author. See? You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. that wasn't her initial target. But it's like the, the universe kind of pushed her in that direction. You know, it's like you have a love for children. You have a passion for this. You have a love of writing. Boom, here it is. You know, so just because you had one idea, that doesn't mean that it may not come to fruition looking a little different. Mm-hmm. So like that, that's not a failure because too many times uh, us as humans, it's like we're so fragile at times. We hit a little bit of adversity. Like, oh, it's not meant to be. It's like it's like no, it, just, it means keep going. It just might look yeah. different, you know. So I'll just yeah. add that on to your to your p- final words is to just get it started, and then just like like you said earlier, per- just persevere, you know. Mm-hmm. Just persevere. Just keep going till you win, you know. It's like there's no quitting. You keep going till you win. <laughs> Plain and simple. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Natasha. That this was great. Solid conversation. And um, like I said, I have connections for you once we go off air. So don't sign off yet. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you again in the future. We'll ke- catch up with you, see how things are going. And uh, maybe I'll get you on one of my panels as well. Sweet. I All like right. it. All right. Awesome. Well, take care. You have a good day. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye. All right. So that was Natasha. We are talking about writing, following your passion, doing what fuels your soul. So you guys know that's what this show is all about. And again, if you're brand new, said there's 202 other episodes to check out. 
we talking I talk with people from all walks of life, all races, all religions, all everything. Whatever social stigma is out there, I talk to them too. And so, and we've gotten their backstories. And it's all about inspiring you to take action. At one point, I was inspired from someone else's story to take action. And now we're putting that energy back out into the world. So that's all I have for you. I will be back again tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and 